And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And we couldn't do Startup Hustle without them. So today we have with us a, oh, a phenom, and I'm going to have so much fun with this conversation when we were doing our, our prep work and pre-work and kind of chatting, um, just had an amazing time talking about the different things that, that we could discuss on the show. But we're going to be talking about diversity and inclusion at work with Denise Hamilton, who is CEO of Watch Her Work. Um, and so glad to have you with us today, Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know this is going to be amazing. Um, so let's hop right into it. I do have to apologize. We were having a little bit of technical difficulties on the front end, so we're running a couple minutes late. Please forgive us, but it is well worth it. This is, yeah, it's going to be worth the wait, I promise. Uh, so, so Denise, why don't we go ahead and just jump right into kind of your background. Like, Tell us a little bit about you and tell us about Watch Her Work. Sure. So um, I have been in corporate America um, for more more than a few years. Let's say that <laughs> it's been a while, but just over twenty five years of of um, experience, just leading teams, leading people, um, running divisions, and just understanding like how work works, right? And because. Yeah. I only woman or the only African-American in so many situations, I was constantly asked, um, you know, can I pick your brain? Will you be my mentor? Can I take you to lunch? I mean, literally I could have gone to lunch 11 times a day. Yeah. And um, it just occurred to me, like, this is crazy. Like this small group of women that are the tip of the spear have now been put in charge of equality. Right. Like our job to really be training the next generation and developing them and giving them the skills that they need for success. And I was like, this is not sustainable. Like I would talk to my um, friends in my cohort, other female leaders, and they would say, you know, I don't even have time to see my own kids. Like this is just a lot. So it occurred to me, like, we, there's got to be a way to use technology to solve this problem. So we did. We turned on the camera and we started filming. We filmed um, executives and thought leaders and oh. still there. Yeah, I don't know where I lost you. Okay, well, so you were you were interviewing executives and thought leaders on camera. Yes. Um, and just um, capturing their stories from all walks of life, answering questions like, how do you ask for a raise? And how do you tell your boss you're pregnant? What do you do if a client hits on you? How do you negotiate severance? All of these things that are just not intuitive. Like somebody has to tell you how to do them. 
right? And because, you know, so everybody wants a mentor, but so few people actually have one. So we wanted to not only scale mentorship, but we also wanted to democratize access. Right, just because you're born in It's Bits, Iowa, or you grow come from a low income background, or because you are from a different culture, or maybe you're an immigrant, like that doesn't mean that you can't be the next amazing Fortune 500 CEO, right? Yeah. We have to have a mechanism to train and develop everyone. We've all seen these programs in our organizations of like, you know, the emerging leaders and the talented whatever, like the hand picked next leader group group. Women can't afford that. We need to develop right. everyone. Everyone needs to get a shot and a bite at that apple. And so we wanted to create this huge library of advice. Yes. Um, and so now we have about 7,000 videos. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. That is so many videos. Like, I almost feel like that would be kind of overwhelming. Like, how do you have all of that information organized? It's, we just throw them in buckets in the categories and, you know, yeah. Found out yesterday that you're pregnant. You go to the pregnancy category, and you can watch every video, every title, depending on what's interesting to you and what's not. Yeah. If you're going through a divorce, same deal, and just kind of enjoy it. And it's really funny to watch, like people just kind of eat them like like potato chips, like they eat one <laughs> after the other after the other. It's it's really great. Well, and so what I what I think is really cool about what you're doing is so so in addition to being a a powerhouse resource, you're also kind of humanizing some of this knowledge share, you know, you're, you're putting a face, like by doing it video style, you're, you're putting a face and you're putting a human behind this advice that you're getting, which I think is super cool. And I imagine that must be a large part of the, the appeal. You know, I'm getting great information, but I'm also understanding a little bit more about a female leader who's an expert in this space. Um, so that, that's really, really cool. So, so add to that, that um, it's different women. Right. Yeah. Because I may be an extrovert and you're an introvert. We're not going to approach a problem the same way. Right. So it's really beautiful to have people from all walks of life give advice on the same subject. So you can discern which one can I pull off? <laughs> Literally, which one can I pull off? Right. Like what might work for you isn't necessarily going to work for me. But the point is we have a multitude of solutions available to us to, to pull from. No, I love that. And I also, I'm, I have to tell you, I am at some point probably going to steal the term democratize access. Um, I think that that is just so beautifully put. I'll, I'll go, I'll credit you. I'll be like, Denise Hamilton said this, but I just think it's super cool. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that that's amazing. Um, so you said something, you, you, you mentioned mentorship a couple of times, and I wanted to circle back to that because I, I do think that it's really important in particular, um, you know, it, often for, for women to find mentorship. And it can also be more difficult for women to find mentorship because when you get up to the higher levels of management and leadership, you often see fewer and fewer women, first of all. But then one of the things that we talk about a lot at Innovate Her PC is how, you know, with the advent of like the Me Too movement and, you know, holding people accountable for their behavior, really, um, you, you started to, I think there was a Pew Research study that came out that said something like 60% of male management and leaders are hesitant to take on a female mentee because they're, they're scared. And so you take an already small existing pool and you make it, you make it smaller. So, so I wanted to talk to you about mentorship. Um, 
and we'll dive more deeply into into watch her work a little bit later but tell us a little bit about you know why do you think mentorship is important it's essential because you need somebody to show you the path right explain where the bodies are buried and where the the secret hidden codes are it's just like getting a for a video game <laughs> so i think it's really important to have someone to help you navigate um, it's not intuitive right navigating upper leadership and or problem solving even if you are you know um, um starting your own company there are parts of it that you just have to understand that you're going to have to shift. You're going to have to evolve. You're going to have to do something in a way that's different than maybe you thought about it before. And so yeah. having that person who has that objectivity and the experience that they just have seen it before in multiple iterations, it's just right. valuable. It's just, there's no price you can put on it. Yeah. Well, and what I love, you know, so, so I love seeing people partake of the mentor protege relationship. I think what is really cool is if you're serving as a mentor, which I'm sure you do on a regular basis, um, you know, it, it's a, it's an instance where you're reaching behind you to pull the next generation forward so that it's easier for the next generation to come because the things that you have experienced, you can save them from that. Right. So I, I just think it's a truly beautiful thing. And, and I love that you are a proponent of that. So, so thank you. So let's talk, um, Let's talk, our topic of today is diversity and inclusion at work. And I'm gonna give you a little bit of latitude and I, I wanna hear, what would you like, Denise Hamilton, what would you like to tell us about diversity and inclusion at work today? Oh, what a great question. It's hard. Yeah. That's what I wanna tell us. I wanna tell us that it is hard. It is not easy. It is not um, just add water. There are no instant solutions. It, you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves. You're gonna have to gird your loins and yeah. step into the battle, step into the fray, right? Um, I think I think of our journey and how we handle um, diversity and inclusion is like um, meeting a group of people in a camping store and they're planning to go on a simple trip. And you say, hey, I, you, I got a better idea. Come with me on this trip. And they don't realize that they're climbing Mount Everest. Yeah. Tools that they had might have been great for that camping trip, you know, down the street, but they are not the tools that you need to climb up that big mountain. And I think all too often we approach these problems like they're not problems. Like if we right. just, um, just say wonderful bumper sticker statements and we just express our intentions that it will all be okay. And the truth of the matter is it takes real work. It takes real sacrifice. It takes real commitment. It takes real decision-making, right? And, and I think that there's something um, empowering about counting the cost of the journey and really preparing yourself for that journey in a way that makes sense. Because the thing that, that's really challenging, I mean, look at the statistics we're seeing coming out of 2020 um, for women. How many women were just left the workplace? I mean, God, it's, it's, just, it's unbelievable. Out of, out of necessity. You know, they, they were all of a sudden charged with virtual schooling. They were all of a sudden, you know, dealing with businesses that were dealing with significant revenue loss. They, I mean, women have been disproportionately left behind due to the pandemic for a myriad of societal reasons. Right. And, and so, you know, asking the, it's kind of like that seven why, why is 
situation. Like anytime you're presented with a problem, you keep asking why until you get to the actual root of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is, when it comes to representation and women in the workplace, there are many. There are so many problems. There are so many. And then we name the problems. Even if we get to that space that the problem is named, what are we going to do about it? Right. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? How are we, like when it came to performance appraisal time, did we assess women with children that have that virtual school responsibility differently than we did right. other people? Like that's the, there are places that we have to make some decisions, some decisions as a society. Of, right. Are we gonna change this or solve this problem or aren't we? So five years from now, 10 years from now, our pipeline for the C-suite, it's smaller than it's ever been. Right. In modern history, because all of these women left the workplace, are we going to create an on-ramp for them to come back in? Are we going to support women who had this incredible responsibility and figure out ways to graph them back up into the pipeline for leadership? How are we going to handle that um, with men who, who didn't have that challenge? How are we going to process what well, issues of fairness and equity? Like these are hard discussions. And the truth Absolutely. of the matter is we don't like hard discussions. We really want to just sit around and talk about Martin Luther King and say, right. oh, wasn't, wasn't um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg great? Right? Like, like these are, great, but, but platitudes won't get us, you know, the, the movement and the success that we really need to get. These are challenging problems that we have got to get commitment around executing. Yeah. Well, and I think that like what what you're talking about is something that we talk about at Innovate Her KC frequently. Like you have to get comfortable with discomfort. When we're talking about those hard situations, the reason that they're hard is because often we are deeply uncomfortable talking about issues of equity and race and gender. Um, you know, I think that we would prefer, most people would prefer to think that we're above that, we're past that. We're in a, we, we had a black president, we are in a post-racial society, we are in a post-gendered society. And the fact is, you know, we may want to believe that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Mm -hmm. And so, so my question to you is how do we, how do we get comfortable with discomfort around these issues? I'm sure it's something that you deal with every day. <laughs> Um, we don't. We don't. Uh, discomfort is a part of this journey. Yeah. It's baked in. It's like if I wanna, um, if I wanna, if I'm, if I can only lift ten pounds and I want to get to the point that I can do fifty, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone every day. Yeah. Every day. It has to become a part of the journey. We are looking for ways for this journey and this effort to be easier, more comfortable, more relaxed, more. And, and it's just not. It's always going to be hard. It's going to be hard because you can't be like intentionally exclusive for hundreds of years and then be accidentally inclusive. Right. It's going to take a Herculean effort to move some of these needles. Just think how how um, positively people thought things were going. Yeah. People felt like, oh, like you said, we had a black president. Things are going great. It's progress until the pandemic hit. And you saw who actually died. Right. You saw who actually lost their jobs. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so maybe we're not doing as, as well as we thought we right. were. Right. And that's the challenge. That's what we have to figure out. We have to understand that, you know, there's a danger even in measurement when you measure things that are convenient for you to measure instead of the actual thing. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and so sometimes we're like, oh, 
We did the Noah's Ark. We have two of each kind. Yay! Or that that magic 25% that you're There's this statistic out there that if you want to create actual culture change within your organization um, at the equity level, you need to have at least 25% representation of whichever group you're trying to to bring into your culture inclusively. And so that could be people of color, women of color, women, the disabled, whatever community you're talking about, you need to see at least 25% to not just tokenize, but to create actual cultural change within an organization. And I hear that statistic and it makes me laugh because I'm like 25% is bullshit. That's not enough. Right. Ninety. I think that I think we're about seventy-two percent of the population. But if we can get twenty-five percent, we're doing great. Right. You know the statistic. I mean, women comprise fifty-one percent of the population. Why do we not see fifty percent, at least fifty percent representation in most positions of leadership and in most sectors? We kind of hover around twenty-three to twenty-five percent in so many different industries and areas that I just the the dissonance, the disparity is is jarring. I hate it. Um, so, so I do, I'm going to redirect us a little bit. You ready? Yeah, ready. Okay. So here, here's the question in the work that you do, if you were to create the perfect environment for women, uh, people of color, you know, gay, gay folks, like if you were to create the perfect working environment for marginalized people who belong to marginalized communities, what would that look like? Hmm. That's a great question. <laughs> like, um, what's, what's the end goal? <laughs> I, think that, I think that I wouldn't create it. Okay. I think that it would be the co-creation. It would be that process, that lab of what do you need? What do you need? What do you? Need? How do we co-create a place that we can all thrive? Yeah. What would that look like it's it's. It's more, even more presumptuous for me to say what that would look like as it is for a white male to say what that would look like. Or for, like, I think the point is we, we need a place where everyone has the chance to bring their best self to work. Yeah. Right. And so, how do we do that? How do we eliminate bias from these systems? How do we challenge the assumptions that undergird it? Right. Like, how do we truly make things fair and equitable? in a way that um, my C student goes as far as your C student. Like yeah. that, that to me is, don't show me the outliers of the Oprah and the, and the Barack Obama. Show me, you know, my George Bush, my, <laughs> the, the C right. students that can thrive and excel and do amazing things. Like that's, that's what I'm more interested in. So how do we get out of thinking about the margins and make it a really pleasurable experience for the people in the middle, which is the vast, vast throng of people. And that's all people. I spend a lot of time talking to white employees, white male employees about how do we, how do we kind of shift the narrative from a punitive one to one celebration and opportunity and extracting strengths and thinking of this as a positive initiative instead of this like, compelling thing that they're being made to do and it's a punishment it's not a punishment to get better it's not it's an opportunity so how do we share that message powerfully so that it's optimistic not not this um space of 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 looking at it as some kind of punishment right I, i want 
I, if, if I had a hundred employees in my organization, I want them to be rock stars. And if they're rock stars, I sure want to make sure I get that value out of them. And if there's something that's happening in our organization that leads people to not bring their best to this space, let's fix that so that we can be even better than we were before. That's how I think about it. Yeah. Well, I, of course, I, I love that. Uh, but now I'm going to ask you to get more specific. I'm going to ask you to get tactical. Yeah. So, so earlier you referenced, you know, if you were climbing a mountain, what tools would you need to climb that mountain? And so, and, and you've talked about the tools in your toolbox. So I'm going to ask you now, when you are working with organizations and with people to create an inclusive and like a truly inclusive workforce or workplace, what are the tools in your toolbox? Uh, the biggest tool is listening. Ask them. <laughs> Ask them how they're feeling. Ask them what would um, be more helpful. You know, like, for example, I used to work in commercial real estate. And um, there was a, a landlord that would give a prize to high-performing brokers. It was a custom-made dress shirt. Is that a prize? I'm pretty sure that's not a prize. That's not a prize to me. So, so basically, you built this prize and you it never occurred to you that a woman would win. Right. Right? Or um, another, another company had a dove hunting trip. That was a 24-hour um, trip. They would take you by private jet. You would go hunting for doves in the lodge and yeah. they'd be back the next day. Yeah, shoot me in the head right now. No desire, not interested, don't want to go, right? Well, I mean, honestly, like, is that because you're a woman or is that because, like, sometimes people just don't like hunting? Things, you know, and, and, and those are fine activities. No criticism of that. But you built it and did you listen to the audience? Did, you, did it ever occur to you that there would be diversity among the people that would be benefiting from it, right? right. Very often we create things and, you know, it's almost like um, we've bastardized the golden rule. Um, do yeah. unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we, we translated that into treat them the way you want to be treated. No, no, no. Treat them the way you would want to be treated. You would want to be respected. You'd want your differences to be taken into account. You would want to be sure that you were thought of, right? right. So let's start with just regular, oh, listening. Listening. And, and, and I, I, I think listening, not only listening, but listening without um, ego or agenda. Yes. Like listening to actually hear, because I, I think that that's one of the things that I've experienced. Like I can tell you about my experience, but if you are not receptive to it, if you don't believe me, and if you're not ready to create actionable, actionable change because of it, that actually becomes a detriment to me in this journey because I, I'm resentful and I'm, you know, I, I'm frustrated that I'm kind of screaming into the void, you know, trying to share my experience and my thoughts. And then all of a sudden it just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. my time <laughs> don't, don't substitute your avatar of my experience for me telling you what my experience is That's exactly how i look at that me too discussion so now yeah. i can't mentor because i'm afraid of being me too right yeah. so let me get this straight like you understand that there's a problem right understand you have responsibility to that problem but the first excuse that you can grab to not contribute to the solution you're gonna take it 
Right. Well, and, and the, the solution is when you have a female protege or when you're in spaces with women, like keep your hands to yourself, keep your thoughts to yourself. You know, this is not, it's not rocket science. You know, this is not a difficult thing. This should not be a difficult imposition to maintain professionalism, you know? Don't be, so in other words, don't be rapey. Yeah, exactly. Don't be cringy. Don't, don't be that. Don't be that. Don't be that person. Don't be, you know, I mean, you know, girl or guy, don't be that person. Um, really quickly, I do have to break in here and I just want to give some love to our episode sponsor, Full Scale. We love Full Scale a lot. They're amazing. Um, if you are looking to build a software team quickly and affordably, they are the way to do it. And of course, working with the Full Scale team through the Startup Hustle podcast, it is a dream make it so easy for us and we just we love them so much um, so i just wanted to to mention that thank you full scale you're amazing um and now we're gonna we're gonna pop back into the conversation at hand i'm having so much fun with this it's stupid uh <laughs> so so talk to us so you say like you need to listen and you need to be ready to hear what are some other tactical things because I, I really want our listeners at home um we, we talked a little bit about this when we were kind of in our pre episode chat. Um, the fact that I, I think we're both probably approached by individuals who are like, how can I make my workplace more diverse and inclusive? Actually, I'm going to ask that question second. First question that I have, because we haven't actually addressed this yet. What is the difference between diversity and inclusion? Uh, well, I mean, diversity is having variety of people, right? It's yeah. having difference inclusion though is really what the goal is inclusion is creating a space where everyone's giftedness is fully valued and extracted um yeah. inclusion can be obviously we talk about it in terms of race and gender but also it, it's it's having a conversation and all the extroverts are talking like a you know a whirly gig and saying wait wait Patty, what did you have to add? Because you know that they're an introvert. It's it, it's making sure you're getting the best out of everyone and you're making room for everyone. Um, and that inclusion piece is a lot harder, but that to me is the is the holy grail of creating yeah. space and opportunity um, so that people can be fully grafted in. There's no there's no line of delineation of worth or value. Everyone has the ability to contribute their genius to the space, and we all thrive together. That inclusive holy grail is what I'm always looking for. I love that. So, so once upon a time, it, this this kind of stuck with me, and I, I love this because I just think it's a great analogy. Um, but somebody told me that diversity is inviting everyone to the party. Inclusion is asking them to dance. Yes. Really and I thought that was just such a cool way of putting it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Interesting because it's Black History Month right now. And yeah. I'm, I've been approached to be on tons of stages. And will you come and speak? And will you participate? And will you? And, and I had this amazing conversation with um, a friend that was asking me, like, how should we celebrate Black History Month? I said, wouldn't it be great to get all of the white leaders in your organization to have a conversation of how black leaders have influenced them. Black yeah. mentors, black teachers, black, the people that have been influential because that, there you go again, right? There's diversity, there's all kinds of people and there's inclusion. People of different races and colors get to inform who I am and how I am. 
yeah. what a beautiful, what a beautiful expression of appreciation of Black History Month, right? Yeah. And so I think, I think being thoughtful, being really creative, um, and honoring um, different cultures, and and not in a caricature way, in an yeah. authentic way that you're spending the time trying to really get to know people from different walks of life. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, and, and honestly, like we in Innovate Her KC, we were like, how do we, how do we honor, you know, how do we honor our, the women of color within our community for, for Black History Month? And, and one of the things that, that kind of came out of that discussion is really one of the things that we want to do organizationally, and I'm sure one of the things that you'd like to see is how do we honor these lives and this history all year long? February is the shortest month, and, and I, I think that the, the achievements and the, the things that Black leaders and individuals have achieved for our country over the course of our history, like Black history is human history. So why are we talking about it all year long, <laughs> you know? Um, and we, so we actually kind of started the conversation there, and it was just really interesting, some of the things, you know, buy black, you know, read, read thought pieces and books and articles written by, you know, by, by black people and, and share and promote that work. And, you know, how can we honor, how can we honor these contributions beyond black history month, that one month of a year? <laughs> yeah. So, so we, 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 we actually, we actually went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, but so, so my next question, when we kind of started talking about diversity and inclusion, my next question was going to be, what are some very practical things that people who are looking to encourage and foster diversity and uh, inclusion within their workforce, what are some things that they can do? Like we started with listening. That's huge. That's number one. But what are so, some other things that we need to be talking about and things that we need to be doing? I think we need to release the sacred cows. Everything is up for evaluation. Yeah. Everything is up for scrutiny. Um, where do you get your interns? Yeah. So how do you, what weight do you give internships to when you're hiring for your organization? I always think right. that's funny. So we you know you're, you're going through applicants and you're like, oh, she had this great sexy in internship at um, Google, or he had this great internship at Lockheed Martin. But what, like, how many people got an internship because their mom or dad made a call? Right. Right? And so let's be honest about the systemic things that we do that aren't really indicators of success almost at all. Right? Mm -hmm. And let's challenge ourselves to find those true indicators of what potential is. And that takes real work. That takes releasing some of our sacred cows about how we do things. Well, I love getting people from my alma mater guess what? You're getting all the same kinds of people, all the kind, same kinds of condition. And that's what you love, right? You love the ease and the, and the familiarity and the short end. Familiarity is easier. You know, it, it's homogeneity is the easiest thing in the world, right? Yeah. If you have a cultural shorthand, what, what, what um, might take me in a hundred words to get across to you, somebody else can get across to you in five. It's like, name that tune. That's who you want to be on your team, but you're going to miss out on the richness of that diversity of thought and experience and perspective and the, the richness of that. If you kind of settle for that homogeneity, right? Genius yeah. groups make faster decisions, faster decisions, and they're happier with them. Right. Really tempting. I didn't say they were the right decision, 
yeah. but they made them faster and they were happier. That's a hard thing to give up for the right decision. Yeah. That's the trade-off. And we have to be willing to, to give that up and understand that, understand that there's some things I'm going to have to stop doing. There, there, I'm some, there's some cultural things I'm going to have to shift, some processes I'm going to have to release. What am I reading? Who am I talking to? Am I benchmarking other organizations and what they're doing? Am I listening to thought leaders in the space discuss the areas of, the, of stuff that I work in that I have to address? Right. Like, you know, I have two people, two influencers, two advertising firms, two social media firms, and they give me two different bids. And I see that the the, the um, company owned by the man, his bid is 40 percent more. This woman is undervaluing my, her, herself. What am I going to do? Am I just going to kind of take the low bid or am I going to say, hey, I really would encourage you to revisit your, your rates. You're way under the rest of the market. That yeah. little that little help can help that woman kind of move to the next space and price her services more accordingly, right? Yeah. So th it, it costs something, right? It costs something. And I think it's really important to kind of identify that really early in the game and just figure out like what, how much you're willing to pay, what yeah. that looks like. Allyship costs. It really does. Um, and we, you know, when you were talking about homogeneity, like I, I, evolutionarily speaking, Humans tend to gravitate toward and love working with and being around people who look, think, and act like them because our caveman brain says these are the people who are less likely to kill us and eat us, basically. Yeah. Our, take our resources. And so so you almost have to position yourself. At, you have to use your your giant human brain, not your Neanderthal reptilian brain, instinctive brain, to do the extra work. Like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording as well, like the fact is true inclusion, uh, true diversity and inclusion, it almost always requires more words, more work, more resources, and more money. So if you are truly, truly committed to, to equity and to, to promoting fairness and promoting uh, growth and, and you know people in marginalized communities, you have to be ready for that. You have to be prepared to put in more work. Like it's just, it's never going to be easy. Well, so, and, I'll, and I'll add to that, like yeah. we do that in every other place. If yeah. I was having a challenge with safety in my organization, I would do what I had to do. I would pay who I had to pay. I would buy whatever materials, whatever tools, whatever. I would invest because I understand not practicing safety has a cost as well. It's not like if you don't do this cost, you're going to save money. You're not saving money. Market has a cost, but if you don't market your business, it's not going to have a return. Like right. it, this isn't an alien concept, right? So this is a space where we have to invest. It's just yeah. like any other business um, element. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but there is a statistic out there that, um, that organizations that have diverse leadership on their on their leadership teams, they perform better. And so really, like when, you, when you're talking about this kind of investment, you're seeing a return on investment. And I can only imagine it's because when you have diverse leadership, you get more opinions and you get more context and you get more information when you are making strategic decisions. And that's only a thing, right? And you make less boneheaded decisions, to be honest. Right. <laughs> like you're saving yourself that down the line because at some point somebody is going to look at that custom brush shirt and they're going to say, hey, 
That's a bad idea. That was a bad idea. I know it's a bad idea in the boardroom than on the the, the sales floor, right? Yeah. It, it's just it's just one on one. Like you want all the information you can glean to make the best possible decisions. And so but, this is not a question of yeah, it costs a lot, but but that it's you're investing. It's an investment in having higher returns better relationship with among your team, better relationship with the community, better relationship with your customers. Like it's just, it, the, the return is tenfold, but we got to be able to drop that, that money in the budget in the, in the line item and spend the money to get the return on that investment for your organization and for the culture. Yeah. You know, these days, Gen Z is not playing. They're looking at companies and they're, de they're determining like, are you real? Are you serious? Are you going to be able to be um, um, a place that I want to invest my energy to grow this career? And unfortunately, a lot of people are getting the answer no, right? So you don't, you avoid this at your peril. Right. Absolutely true. Like if it's not because it's the right thing to do, then at the very least do it because ultimately it's going to help your bottom line. You know, it's just, it's a good business. It's good business. Good business. <laughs> So, so let me ask you this. If you could, can I, I, I'm going to ask you to do the impossible yes. and I'm going to ask you to condense everything that you're all about, which I love clearly. Like, this is, this has been amazing, but I'm going to ask you to condense down and distill your advice. If you could give one, maybe two pieces of advice to, to the folks at home um for for how to, to best proceed in in fostering and supporting you know marginalized communities at the workplace what what do you think that would be mm. commit to unlearning ooh that was beautiful what do you mean by that <laughs> i think that we approach the world thinking we're really smart and really experienced and really exposed and we know all the things. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we have to acknowledge is that we don't know. There's a ton we don't know. And so sometimes the most well-intended people can cause the most harm because they're not committed to that process of unlearning what their assumptions are. Don't yeah. operate in your assumptions. I find the courage to ask, to in, interrogate your decision-making processes. Find the courage to challenge how you've always done it. You know, like a perfect example is if your kids are in a ballet troupe, right? And before the recital, they say all the little girls have to put their hair in a tight, severe bun. Yeah. Think how many little girls don't dance because their hair can't go in that tight, severe little bun. Right. I mean, like, you, you really think about it. What's the cost of our way of doing things? Right. You challenge yourself to think like that. Who does this exclude? Who yeah. has the chance to be here? And as you're sitting there, as you're the person that's lucky enough to be in that space, examine and challenge the ways that others are not allowed into that space. Yeah. My goodness, if, if, if people did that, and everybody just found five or six places in their actual day-to-day -day lives where they could make that change. Like the world would change tomorrow. I really believe that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, and so, so like another, another thing that I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and it actually doesn't have to do with business, but I'm sure there are some business applications. But when we're talking about things like privilege and we're talking about, um, so, so Zoom has become a thing. And, and so one of the things that I've been talking a lot with some members is, is about schooling and um, virtual school and how difficult it is to get the kids engaged. And so you have many um, educators and parents who are like, turn on your camera, turn on your camera. Um, and the fact is like, you can't necessarily make that blanket ask because you don't know what kids are experiencing in their home environment. And, and you don't know if they have things that they might not necessarily wanna share. Um, and so, I mean, it's just kind of like thinking about the the problem from with a new lens. Right. Like, yeah. So, so I, I, I just 100% agreement, like, honestly, everything you've said, I just want to like, oh, yes, amazing. <laughs> so, so I love it. Um, but we are, we are coming up on time. So I, I'm going to ask you the human question. Mm. Here it comes. Are you ready? Ready. I'm so ready. I cannot wait for this answer. Okay. Uh, I, I like, I thought of it as soon as the episode started and I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to this question. Uh, so who are your heroes? I have so many, but I'll, I will pick the corniest one. Uh, and the, the corny one, the most corniest one. I got two. Okay. Let's hear it. The corny one is my mom. That's not corny. That's adorable. <laughs> Came from, um, brought us here from Jamaica in the middle of the winter, as you can, I can't even imagine moving to New York City in the middle of the winter sounds like torture. Um, <laughs> if you've always lived in a tropical country and you know, she's got a high school diploma and she put herself through beauty school so she can make money on the side of being a telephone operator and she can make wedding cakes. And she did, she did every job. Like in a way it's like my childhood is defined by her not being there more yeah. than her being there. And, and for me, that sacrifice of missing the fun times because she was building something, right? Mm -hmm. Building something so that I could be sitting in my fancy smancy house on my fancy laptop um, being interviewed. Like I, I see the through line of that deferred gratification and that sacrifice. Yeah. And I want to be the kind of person that is, that invests and, and creates opportunity for other people that are willing to, is willing to kind of pay that price. Yeah. Right? And to, um, and, you know, as I think about her example, I think about like the work that I do even today of how many people didn't think about a woman getting off shift at two o'clock in the morning and having taken this, having to take the subway home and then walk home in a dangerous neighborhood you know what I mean? Like nobody thought about that. Like nobody cared uh, the yeah. experience that she had as a, as a single mom in a, a dangerous city with a, 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 a weird schedule job. And I think that, that I, there's a little piece of that I bring to my work even today of who does this hurt every decision? Who does this hurt? Who does this impact adversely that maybe we're not thinking about how do we find that person and, and try to solve for it? Right. You can't always solve for it, but that we try. The other- But you can, you can think from that perspective. And like, that's corny. I think that's lovely. Uh, <laughs> think. 
Um, my my obvious person is Oprah. Um, for all the great reasons. I mean, talk show, blah, 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 wonderful. But really for starting her network, right? What yeah. a powerful message. You are at the top of your game. Everybody knows you in a certain light, in a certain way, and they put you in a box. And, and I, I learned so much in watching how quickly people turned on her when she, like, like as great as she was, how dare you try to start a network? Who do you think you are? You know, and stumbling. Do you know how hard it is to be a beginner when you're at the top of the game to shift into something new? That to me is why I love entrepreneurs. I love startup culture. I love the energy of allowing yourself to be a beginner. You're you're an expert in this. Move yeah. over here and start something new and challenging and exciting. Um, that's what Oprah represents to me. Somebody who was who was great, top of the food chain, that allowed herself to be a beginner again so that she could build something else. Like, I, I want to be that kind of person that's not afraid to say, oh, I don't know. That's not afraid to stumble. That's not afraid to start at a C. In our culture today, everybody wants to start at an A. You don't start anyway. You start at a D minus, C, you work your way up to a B minus, B plus. Like, it's a journey. And I, I just believe that was so courageous to, in front of everyone, give up your spot yeah. to step down so that you could really step up. Um, and I always want to be that kind of person. Amazing. Oh, I love that so much. Well, well, I have to tell you, Denise, thank you so much for your time today. Like, I knew that I, like, honestly. Honestly, I get like the most pleasure of these kinds of interviews and it's not even fair because like people are like, it's a job. And I'm like, no, this was amazing. It's <laughs> fun I've had all day. So so thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, so and thank you, listeners, for taking the time to spend a little bit of time with us this afternoon. We do appreciate you. We also pre appreciate our episode sponsor. Uh, Fullscale.io can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And this is Lauren Conaway with Innovate Her KC and the Startup Hustle podcast. We will catch you next time. <laughs> Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.